the topic that I chose today isn't necessarily a, an elephant in the room for most of you, but I think because we have so many people in the congregation that have come from other religions, sects, cults, sometimes it's good to clarify these things, okay? So the title for today is, Is Jesus God? Let's clear it up. In fact, why, why is this such an important discussion? And why is there so much confusion? This is a very interesting point. When a narcissist cannot control you, they will seek to control what others see or believe about you. And Satan, being the ultimate narcissist, cannot control God, so he seeks to control how people see him. And that's why I think it's really important to clarify this. And over the years, obviously, I've spoken to people and made notes and spoken about, is Jesus God in some different ways? But I would just love for it to all be in this one message today. So that if ever someone ever has a debate with you or you're, you know, kind of a little bit confused, then you can just hit play on Podmeme. <laughs> Have it all in one spot. Okay. Because personally, don't get offended. Actually, you can get offended, but I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> I personally think about 60% of Christians don't fully believe that Jesus is God. Um, and there's a question that you can ask a Christian to see what their mindset is. You see, Jesus says, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it's like, oh yeah, John, Jesus gave a bunch of commandments when he was here. But the question you need to ask a Christian to see where they're really at is simply, did Jesus give Moses the Old Testament commandments on Mount Sinai? And if their response is, oh no, that's the God of the Old Testament, gotcha. Because then you don't truly believe that Jesus is eternal, from before creation, is one with the Father, and is right there on Mount Sinai, one with the Father, giving commandments to Moses. There's a disconnect. So let's have a closer look. Point number one, descendant of who? Right. Um, the king and savior of the world had to be, had to be God in Israeli flesh to fulfill prophecy. And where do we see this occur in the Bible? Well, firstly, let's get medical. There's a song about that. No, wait, that's physical. Right. <laughs> Actually, we're going to get physical too. Okay, so let's get medical. Um, now, it's important that Mary had never been with a male partner or had sons before birthing Jesus, i.e. was a virgin, uh, because she would have carried earthly male DNA in her body. Get this. According to the National Library of Medicine, 21% of women without sons, I'll get to that point in just a minute, without sons have male DNA present in their body. 
according to the American Journal of Medicine, that would only occur, because, you know, it's like, how did male DNA get into a woman? That would only occur if they were pregnant with a son or at some point, okay, as in like married or having a son, or through sexual intercourse. Because women, sorry women, women carry the DNA of every male birth or even possibly carry the DNA of every male that they've been sexually active with. I think that when God says the two shall become one flesh, <laughs> he really meant it. Mm. In fact, anytime God speaks, anytime God says a single word, every particle in the entire universe goes, yes, sir. <laughs> they all respond. So, in Matthew 1, verse 18, it says, uh, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. So the only, let's call it male DNA, <laughs> that Mary carried was directly from God by the Holy Spirit. This was God's full imprint on Mary. Yeah. Now besides medically... And to fulfill prophecy, the Messiah King had to be from Israel, all right? And, and had to be God himself to fulfill prophecy. We see this in Numbers 24, verse 17. It says, I see him, but not now. This is a prophecy. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. All right. Star, the word there, star, where it says, a star shall come out of Jacob. The Hebrew word there is kukav. I love this. It's a, it actually means a burning bright light. So a burning bright light has to come out of Jacob. The word scepter there simply means king. And who is Israel's true king? Because people are like, oh yeah, there was David and you know, like there's going to be other kind of kings. No, but who is Israel's true king? God. God says it himself in Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord. I want you to remember that statement for just um, probably until the end. Thus says the Lord. Very important. Um, the king of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. So thus says the Lord and his Redeemer, I am the King. All right? Thus says the Lord, sorry, the King of Israel. That's better. Yeah, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel. God continually calls himself the true King of Israel. So this prophecy is saying from God, in Isaiah 44, I, I am going to come through Israel. It's not just a mere man. Okay, Numbers 24. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. A star shall rise out of Israel. This is God saying, I'm going to come through Israel. Because God alone is Israel's true king. And he has always intended 
to be Israel's only true king and the king of the world. Especially since all the human kings failed pretty miserably. Yeah. Now they either failed morally or they just simply died. It's like, what's the point of you being dead and all that? (laughs) It is. Anyway. So yeah, prophecy literally says that God himself would make a way to be born into Israel and be their king on earth. Point two, though. Was God ever a man? Especially since, excuse me, especially since in Numbers 23, verse 19, which people like to bring up, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. Well, God's not a man that he should lie. Yeah, remember context. (laughs) The context is he's saying, I'm not like you guys, I don't lie. So let's investigate further. In Joshua 5, great story. It says this, I'm going to read it out to you. It says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold a man, the Hebrew word there is ish. I've seen some people say, oh, this was an angel or it was something else. It's like, no, the word's man, ish. Um, Anyway, it's not even zakah. Zakah, you know, like has all different references, ish, man. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. It's like, what? That's like, the answer is no to both. It's like, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. Ooh, worshipped. And said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot. Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Who is this man who stood before Joshua, who accepted worship? That's a dangerous avenue, isn't it? If you're a man, just human, and you're accepting worship, we'll get to that point. Um, So who is this man that accepted worship and then told Joshua to take off his shoes because the ground was holy? Where did that happen previously? Moses in the burning bush. Because no man is allowed to be worshipped. This man, as you read on, also claims to be the one who delivered Israel out of Egypt. This man. Now, I'm pretty sure every Jew on the planet and anyone who's read up their Bible is like, oh yeah, God delivered Israel from Egypt. Well, this man claims to be that one. And then we go on further. In Genesis 32, 24 to 30, it says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man, same word, ish, a man, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. That's a bit unfair, eh? Like, this man smashing his hip. Um, uh, And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. This is the man speaking. He's like, let me go for the day breaks. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. People, if there are... Things going on in your life, 
that you are struggling with, don't let go. Because I will not let go until you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? Jacob responds with, Jacob. (laughs) And this is what the ish, the man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God, Greek word there, Elohim. You've struggled with Elohim. Remember Elohim from Genesis 1. Elohim created everything. You have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, uh, added saying, tell me your name, I pray. And this man's like, uh, why do you ask that? <laughs> why do you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, okay? Um, Peniel simply means, Peni is based faces, El is, is God, right? So I've seen the face of God. Um, but he uses the word Elohim, for I have seen Elohim face to face, and my life is preserved. So who is this man, again, who wrestled with Jacob, changed Jacob's name to Israel, and was clearly identified as Elohim? Because only God has the authority to change the name of Jacob to Israel. It is God himself who named Israel. That's just usually when people say, but no one can see God and live. Even Jesus said, no one has seen the Father except the Son. This is not a contradiction because that's exactly right. You cannot see God in his fullness and live. You cannot see God in this universe, but you can see a man who is one and is with God. One with God. There's a Jewish statement that says, whenever there's a disease, God creates the cure. This is like, God's like, how do we interact with this universe? Oh, I know. Man. Yeah, the same Elohim. It's interesting because God does call himself, there's two Hebrew words that God calls himself. He calls himself Echad, Echad and Elohim. Right? There's other names as well, but these are the two interesting ones. Echad is a plural one. It's not a singular one, if you like Hebrew. A singular one is Yechid. It's a different word. God never calls himself Yechid, ever. He always calls himself Echad, a multiple one. And the word Elohim is also plural. Anyway, that's the same plural God in Genesis 1.26 that says, Let us create man in our image. It's the same plural God in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 where it says, The Lord God is Echad. Even in Daniel 10 verse 5, who is the man? I won't read this one, it's really long. But in Daniel 10, right, who is the man? Same Hebrew word, Ish. Can you see how much interaction is going on here, right? With this man? It's not like, oh, 2,000 years ago Jesus showed up. There's this man that keeps coming out of nowhere. Even in Daniel 10, verse 5, who is the man who visited Daniel? I love this. It says that his face is as the appearance, as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as the lamps of fire and his arms and feet like in color to polished brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. That's a pretty amazing man. Anybody got these characteristics? 
<laughs> Just checking. So this is a man who has God characteristics. Another point. This is point three. Excuse me again. Angels. Uh, point three is worship who? All right, very important point. Worship who? Because angels never accept worship as God. Like ever. That's a great way to separate yourself from eternity. Man should never accept worship as God either. All right? In Acts 12, a man, a ruler by the name of Herod, he accepted worship. It says that an angel struck him dead because of it. Yeah, the rest of it's pretty gross. It says worms spill it out. It's pretty... <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't like just an average death. It was like, a, you're going to die in a really bad way. So don't accept worship as God, all right? Yeah. But this man that we keep reading about, he's perfectly fine with it. Um, and Jesus accepts worship. Firstly, the disciples acknowledge that Jesus is God. You can read this in John 20, verse 28, where it says, um, And Thomas answered and said unto him, or unto Jesus, he said, My Lord and my God. So Thomas called Jesus God. The writer of Hebrews also said, this is Hebrews 1, verse 8, it says, But to the Son, he says, to the Son, that's Jesus, to Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Remember the scepter. It says, a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. That's the prophecy being fulfilled. A scepter. right? But it's God. And he's saying that this is Jesus. We even have other people in Matthew 28, 8 to 9. Um, just after Jesus had been crucified, it says, So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples because they're like, the tomb's empty, woo! Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. That's pretty extraordinary. So he's literally, hi. Everyone's like, ah! <laughs> uh, and it says, they came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus didn't go, whoa, you should not do that. He's just like, yep. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Other nations knew that Jesus could be worshipped. In Matthew 2, 1 to 2, these are travelers from the east just after Jesus was born. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, <laughs> we know what happened to him later. All right. Um, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born? King of the Jews, for we have seen his star. Interesting, hey, we've seen his star, just like the prophecy. The star was a sign saying, this is my star coming. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The early church also worshipped and acknowledged Jesus as God. You know I like to give you some historical texts. So yeah. um, in a letter to Polycarp, a guy named Ignatius. Now, this is around 100, 107 AD, so really super early in Christian and early church doctrine, right, and church beliefs. This guy named Ignatius, he sends a letter to Polycarp, and in that letter, it's quite long, but he, 
in that letter, he states, Jesus is God. He also states that Jesus is God incarnate. Um, in a letter that the same guy, Ignatius, wrote to the Ephesian church, yeah, other people wrote to the Ephesian church as well. In that letter, he says this, God himself appearing in the form of man for the renewal of renewal of eternal life. So all the early church genuinely believed that Jesus was God. They had no problem with it. Um, another one, I like a little bit of uh, secular ancient history as well, just to show that this wasn't just our old oh, the, the Christians just making stuff up. Uh, there's a letter that dates back to 112 AD from a guy named Pliny the Younger. All right, uh, and he's basically asking the emperor of that time called Emperor Trajan how he should deal with the criminal Christians. Hmm. I know, but it's really interesting because I'm going to read it out to you. By the end of it, he's kind of convinced himself that maybe they're not so criminal after all. <laughs> this is what it says. It says, They were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light when they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as to a God and bound themselves by a solemn oath, not to any wicked deeds. This is where he starts realizing that maybe it's not so bad after all, but he's like, not to wicked deeds, but never to commit any fraud, theft or adultery, never to falsify their word, nor deny a trust, when they should be called upon to deliver it up. Basically, they're trustworthy as well. <sighs> um, after which it was their custom to separate and then reassemble to partake of food, but food of an ordinary and innocent kind. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Yes. <laughs> this is where he's going, these guys are pretty perfect. <laughs> But they're criminals. <laughs> Pretty funny. So even secular sources are, yeah, Christians worshipped this man named Jesus as a god. And of course, Revelations 5.13, Jesus is worshipped forever by the heavenly hosts, eh? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like it. I want to read it to you. It says, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and as such are in the sea and, and all that are in them. So basically everything. <laughs> I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne. And there's no buts here for those who are wondering. And Tobin. And to the lamb forever and ever. Amen. Musicians, if you'd like to come up, that would be fantastic. Over there. All right. But that's really great that the early church thought he was God. Historical texts believe that. Um, if you look through Old Testament, you can see interaction between the divine and mankind through a man. One day in eternity, when all this brokenness is gone, it'll be so... Um, where spiritual and natural are literally one. It, we, we won't need so much this separation at all. It'll be just, we'll, we could literally stand boldly before the throne room of God. How good would that be? Yeah. Okay. Last point, point four. But did Jesus claim to be God? 
Uh, there's so, so many so-called biblical experts on this um, that will tell you that Jesus never once said that he was God. And if best practice, he was probably just a prophet. And these experts are amazing on TikTok, <laughs> on YouTube. Um, but there's actually some really good debates out there, especially from other religions. They're like, but Jesus never claimed to be God. And I'm like, yes, yes, he did. Plenty of times, actually. Plenty of times. Uh, firstly, he often called himself the Son of Man, which could be, or I think is um, in relation to this one being who comes with the clouds of heaven in Daniel 7, 13 to 14. That's a nice argument. But... The most obvious way to claim, or the most obvious way to see that Jesus claimed to be God was in his personal declaration. You see, every prophet in the Bible that speaks on God's behalf always says, Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. All of them. Isaiah, the whole lot. What did Jesus say? He said, Thus says I. See, whenever you see that in the English where it goes, verily, you say I, it actually means truthfully says I. And only God speaks pure truth. And Jesus was making it clear that he wasn't just speaking on God's behalf, he was speaking as God. Thus says I, me. That's why whenever someone says, oh, he was just a prophet, I'm like, you did not read what he said. If he was a prophet, there isn't a single prophet who would dare say, thus say I. None. Zero. Jesus did. He's like, verily say I. Jesus also claimed to be equal and one with God in John 10 verse 30, where it says, the Father and I are one. In John 1 verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, that's speaking of Himself, who Himself, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. I mean, how can the Son, how can Jesus say, only I've seen the Father, unless He's one with Him from all eternity? Um, in John 10, Verse 33, the Jews answered him saying, because they, they wanted to stone him to death, right? And it says this, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you. In other words, hey, you've done plenty of nice things, but we still want to stone you. But for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus did not shy away from the whole, oh, I'm God, I'm definitely God. In John 8, 57 to 58, the people said, You aren't even 50 years old. How can you say that you have seen Abraham? Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Amen. It's like, whoa, you mean like the great I am? <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> oh. Jesus, one with the Father, one with the Holy Spirit, made you, made everything. 
Even in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, we're smashing out some scripture today, eh? It says, for by him, speaking of Jesus in context, this is Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. That's actually saying Jesus is Elohim. There's no way to read this any other way. Um, whether uh, created in heaven or on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. I like that. God created everything. Like everything. All things were created through him and for him. Oh, that for him is one of my favorite statements because I think we were made for him. Like that's how God sees it. And you know, eternity, eternity ago, God knew everything you'd ever struggle with. He knew everything you'd ever do wrong. And he was like, I'm still going to make that guy. And I'm going to make him for me. It's like knowing that you're going to make a pot and it's going to be real ugly. But you just love ugly pots. But thankfully with God, he makes it better and he shapes it. But, you know, I just think, wow. He doesn't give up on us. How good is that, eh? Anyway, so all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, in him all things consist. So Jesus, he's the star scepter who will come out of Israel. He is both genetically God and man. And the best way, oh, do this for me. The best way to really get in your heart that Jesus is God, one with the Father from all eternity, is to write, if you've got a Bible, I want you to write on the top of every page, starting from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. This is a challenge, but I want you to try and do it. I'll be honest with you, I haven't yet. But this is one of the best exercises you can ever do to really get this in your heart. Is I want you to, to write the words of Jesus where he says, these scriptures are about Jesus. Because Jesus said, these scriptures are about me. And we think, oh yeah, New Testament. It's like, no, no, go right to the beginning. Every page, right at the top. These scriptures are about Jesus. John 5, 39, he says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And then he continues and says, And these are they, which means these scriptures, they testify of me. And people are like, oh yeah, he means prophecy. No, every chapter, every verse, they are about the story of Jesus and his interaction with humanity. Top of every page, these scriptures testify of me, or these scriptures testify of Jesus. I like it because basically Jesus says, hey, this is all about me. He says, I am the one with the Father at the very beginning. I am the one who created everything. I am the God who led Israel out of Egypt. I am the God on Mount Sinai. I am the one whose face is the appearance of lightning and the eyes as lamps of fire. I am God incarnate in flesh to save humanity from sins. I am the resurrection and the life and I am the lamb 
who is worthy forever and ever to be worshipped from the beginning right through to the end. That's not my words, it's literally Jesus. Yeah, and I'll finish with this. In Psalms 2 verse 12, I don't think I've got it up on the board, but I just want to read it to you. It says, kiss the sun. This is in Psalms. <laughs> Remember, these scriptures testify of me. So yes, Old Testament and New Testament, everything. It says, Psalms 2 verse 12, kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, which means even just a tiny bit of his wrath is terrifying. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those who put their trust in him. Oh, I want to read that last part again. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Do you place your trust in the sun? Amen. So do I. Best thing I ever did. You know, we sing so many songs about it, about all things are possible with Christ. But do you really believe it? Like, in your heart? Because all things were made by Him, through Him, and in Him, and they consist in Him. Like one with the Father. I just want to pray. Give anyone an opportunity here. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you maybe you've come here and you've heard about this man named Jesus and he's a historical figure, can I just tell you he's so much more than just a historical figure. If you've come from other religions where they're like, man, yes, he was a prophet, he was so much more than a prophet. If you believe that Jesus has come and he was just a crazy person, well, what kind of crazy person? He was consistent in everything he said. He was consistent in, and never told lies. And then he died for his own belief system. That would either make him exceptionally crazy or truly exactly who he says he is. God. God, thank you, Jesus. So I just want to give everyone an opportunity now. If you're like, yeah, I'm in that boat. I just need to know God I need to know his son, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and realize that is all just one God. If you need to accept that God in your life today, I just want you to put your hand up, and I'll just look across. And